I am your host, Steve Ennis. The sun is shining today, and it's a remarkable day for Tech Talk. We've got ground to cover and intriguing topics to discuss. It's time to blow the lid off the world of traffic technology. I'm super pumped for this episode here at the Traffic Intel Podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Solomon Gargoum. Solomon is a professor at the University of British Columbia here in Canada, and also the co-founder and advisor of Nectar 3D Consulting, which is a Canadian technology company based right here in Edmonton, Alberta. Nectar 3D offers unique solutions for traffic technology and infrastructure. They specialize in LiDAR technology and deliver point cloud data collection and data processing services. The thirst for traffic knowledge starts here, and I'm so happy for you, our loyal listeners of the TIP, to join me. With that being said, let's take this baby for a drive. I'd like to formally introduce you to Solomon Gargoum of Nectar 3D Consulting. Welcome, Solomon, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Steve. First, um, let me tell you, it's it's uh, a pleasure to be on your show. There aren't many people out there who are as enthusiastic about traffic technology as yourself, so it, it's always great talking to you. Right on. Thanks, Solomon. Uh, all right, let's get rolling. So first off, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, education, career moves, you know, really how you found your way into this industry. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I, as you as you already mentioned, I'm a, currently a professor of um, transportation engineering at the University of British Columbia. Um, I'm also the co-founder and technical advisor at Nectar 3D Consulting. Um, I hold a bachelor's degree in civil and environmental engineering from the UAE University. Um, I came to Canada back in um, 2013 to do a master's degree in, in transportation engineering um, at the University of Alberta. After that, I, I started working on my PhD. After finishing that master's degree, I started working on my PhD, and that's where um, my fascination with remote sensing technology and LiDAR in particular, and the applications of that technology in, in transportation started. Um, and, and that was part of a, a, a joint project with, with Alberta Transportation, which is the, the provincial transportation um, body in at the, the province of Alberta. Um, so after my PhD, we developed lots of algorithms, lots of we did lots of state of the art research um, during that time. Uh, so after my PhD, I, I saw the value of, of what we developed and, and the impacts that could have on the industry. Um, so I, I went on to, to co-found um, Nectar 3D Consulting. Um, I worked there um, full time for a couple of years, um, and then I recently joined UBC um, as a professor just to, to stay on the on the the edge of, of, of the research as well. Um, so when it comes to, to technology in, in transportation, um, there's really exciting times ahead as well. And I think with my current role in both industry and academia, I'm, I'm trying to stay at the, at the edge of it all. Right on. Great. Thanks, Solomon. Maybe you could tell us a little bit, you know, what LIDAR is. I mean, you know, start with even, you know, what it stands for. You know, what, what it is as a general technology how it's being used around the world. Why is it gaining traction? Why is it here to stay? Yeah. Um, LIDAR stands for light detection and ranging. So it's, it's simply a form of remote sensing that uses near-infrared light rays to collect positional and intensity information about the surrounding objects. So, so let's take um, self-driving cars as an example. Some of those cars have, have LIDAR sensors that are constantly sensing the surroundings. So what ends up happening is as the as the car just drives along the road, the sensors create a 3D representation of the surrounding environment. So they're basically creating that 3D model 
that represents everything that, that surrounds them. So in very simple terms, LIDAR creates an environment that's similar to what you see in Google Street View. Um, the only difference is instead of imagery, you're actually getting a full, highly detailed point cloud where you could accurately measure and extract geometric information about the surrounding features. Now, the LIDAR that we work with is, is significantly higher resolution than, than what the autonomous vehicles produce, the self-driving cars produce, um, because our aim is more to use it to, to measure critical information about uh, roadside assets and, and design elements, as opposed to just detecting obstacles, which is what, um, what self-driving cars are after. Now, in terms of why the, the technology is gaining traction, why it's, it's here to stay, I think the primary reason, the primary reason personally, is because it's seen by many as the means of creating that digital twin of your civil infrastructure. It's kind of your entry point to the world of virtual and augmented reality in some ways. So in order to have those virtual reality models, the augmented reality models, you need a 3D model of that civil infrastructure asset, whether that's a traffic sign or a bridge or whatever asset you're trying to look at. LiDAR technology and remote sensing technology in general helps you create that 3D model. Now, in terms of applications as well, that's another reason why the technology is, is here to stay. There's There's been many applications that have been developed over the years. So, I mean, we spoke about self-driving cars. The technology is also used to create HD maps. It's also used for asset management purposes. And, and we'll talk a bit more about that. It's used to create as-builts for design projects. And it can also be used for quantity management on large-scale construction projects. So, I mean, the, there's a broad range of applications as well. So, so that's probably another reason why the technology is just, it, it's here to stay. Everyone sees the value in, in using and, and employing the, the technology on a range of different projects. Good on, good stuff. Thanks, Solomon. Uh, once again, I'm Steve Ennis. We're talking to Solomon Gargoom of Nectar 3D Consulting, and you are listening to the Traffic Intel podcast. Uh, all right, Solomon, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Nectar 3D Consulting. What are you guys doing that's, uh, that's especially cool? Uh, what specific problems are you guys looking to solve right now? I mean, Nectar 3D's mission is, is probably just creating and managing that digital twin. I mean, Nectar itself started off probably more than a decade ago as a an asset management company, a data management company. What the 3D side of things is focusing on is creating, so collecting those assets, creating those, those assets um, using remote sensing technology. So using... LiDAR technology, cameras, drones, photogrammetry to digitize transportation infrastructure assets and then load those assets into the data management platform and, and just manage all, all information that's attached to those assets. Now, typically what ends up happening if you collect lots of data, there's usually two challenges. The first challenge is the processing. Extracting useful information from that data isn't as straightforward as, as you might think. Um, because you're collecting lots of data. And then the other challenge is visualization. How can you interact with that data considering the size of, of those files? So when we're talking LIDAR data, we're talking terabytes of data that we're collecting in a, a single drive of a, a neighborhood or a, a highway segment. What Nectar 3D Consulting does is it uses artificial intelligence and machine learning technology to fully automate the processing side of things. 
So that resolves the first challenge. And then Nectar also uses um, its cloud-based GIS platform to, to help um, visualize the data without the need of, uh, to install any software. So all you need to interact with, with those big data sets is a, an, an internet connection and, and access to, to the, the cloud-based platform. So as a result, Nectar 3D has clients of different interests. Um, they range from clients who are interested in HD map production. You've got others who are um, creating as-builts for existing design projects, um, and then some others who are after asset management, for instance, collecting and identifying all the traffic signs, all the, um, the guardrails on your, your highway network and, and assessing the conditions of, of those assets. So yeah, there's a range of, of applications as well. And because there's lots of um, R&D that happens on site at, at Nectar 3D, there's lots of customized, customized solutions as well that, that we, we usually come up with. Yeah, very cool. So, so I just want to clarify: this is this is mobile lidar, correct? So, you, you, yeah. it's, it's essentially a, a vehicle that's rigged up, looks like a, like a Google Street View car that drives around to yeah. collect data. It would look similar to this when it's driving around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make a good point there. There's there's lots of confusions uh, confusion about between aerial lidar, terrestrial lidar, and mobile lidar. So that's a good point, Steve. Uh, mobile lidar, yeah, is is lidar sensor installed on a vehicle. Vehicle drives down the road. Aerial, it's more of a helicopter or drone who's, which is flying the, the area that you're trying to scan. So mobile LiDAR provides you higher resolution, and that's why it's more, it has more applications in, in the transportation infrastructure industry. Interesting. So I want to focus a little bit on the um, asset or feature extraction from the LiDAR data. Like, I love what you guys are up to there, and I kind of want to get into the nitty-gritty tech side of, of that side uh, of what you guys are doing. So what's the, uh, you know, what's the process of finding pieces of, of roadside furniture, like signs, guardrail, posts, light standards, um, you know, other things that I suppose you're able to capture when you drive a vehicle down a road? Uh, you obviously, you, you don't have people looking through the LiDAR files, looking for these things one at a time. What's the technology to identify, categorize, and assign attributes to these assets that you're locating? Yeah, it would take lots of hours for someone to, to manually scan the files for assets. So, and that person would probably get bored and, and quit pretty soon. So, so yeah, that's obviously not the way we do it. Um, so what we do is we, um, we employ tools of artificial intelligence, computer vision, statistical pattern recognition, and these tools actually do the detection for us. So, so what ends up happening is we train supervised, sometimes unsupervised machine learning algorithms. And those algorithms follow certain rules to, to identify the assets. So the supervised models, for example, those models take a look at some manually labeled data. So there's some data sets where we've, we've manually sat down and identified poles and signs and, and guardrails and road surface. And then the supervised model would then take a look at that data and define its own decision rules. It would define specific rules that help it figure out the difference between a pole and the traffic sign and the guardrail, just specific attributes, geometric attributes of, of those specific assets. So when you show the trained algorithm a new segment, it's then able to figure out itself in a very efficient manner what the different what different assets exist on this segment and what different features exist on this segment. So if you've got a point cloud of 
millions and millions of points, it's going to go in, the algorithm is going to go in and look at every single point within that point cloud and decide that this point is actually a road surface point because, because of where it falls within the point cloud. And then point B is, is a point that falls on a traffic sign. So it ends up just classifying the entirety of that point cloud. So millions and millions of points, which is extremely tedious if, it, if, if you had people sit down and, 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 and do that themselves. So once you extract the assets, that helps us know where the signs are, where the poles are, where the guardrails are. Once we extract the assets, it becomes easy to estimate the attributes and the dimensions of those assets because you have a sort of lifelike 3D model of that object. So, and the relative accuracy in those, those point clouds can go down to the millimeter level. So you can easily estimate the height of a traffic sign, let's say um, placement information, how far is it from from the center of, of, of the road. It's all based on relative geometric measurements where you can easily just measure that information. Once you know where the sign is, you've pulled out that 3D model, 3D representation of the sign, and the attribution becomes relatively straightforward. It's still based on a, a, a set of mathematical decision rules, but, it, but it's, it's, it's relatively straightforward once you know where that asset is within that huge point cloud. Very cool. So, so process is a Google car drives down the road or something that looks like a Google car, collects the data, creates sort of a digital twin of the world. Uh, and then you run that data through some math or an algorithm that extracts the assets that you're curious to inventory, I suppose. Uh, and then it can be displayed in a yep. beautiful, uh, in a beautiful um, interface and uh, data platform. Yeah. Love it. Yep. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think I did a good, okay. good job there explaining it. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, so a Google Google vehicle, Google car, and when I'm looking at Street View, uh, you know, it looks like it's done with video, right? I, I mean, I can see photos yeah. as I progress down the road. So it's not quite a Google car, or is it? But but why lidar? Like, can this sort of thing be done uh, with video, or can asset uh, extraction only be done with lidar? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question and a really great point. Uh, I mean, I honestly believe in, in sensor fusion. Sensors will end up complementing one another. So I don't think it's going to be LiDAR or cameras. I think it will end up being all sensors working together to, to provide us with the model. Now, having said that, one advantage of, of LiDAR, each sensing technology has advantages, disadvantages. One advantage of, of LiDAR sensors over cameras is that they work regardless of, of lighting conditions. So your LiDAR can work at night. It can detect objects at night. It can work when there's bright sunlight flashing at your sensors. And these are two situations where um, camera sensors are not reliable. You can't really detect anything. If, if everything's dark around you, it's really difficult for with a, to detect objects um, and classify them using camera. The other thing is LiDAR requires less post-processing to produce geometrically um, referenced point clouds. So in order to measure geometric information, if you look at your Google Street View images, you can't do that. You can't really measure geometric information because there's some post-processing that hasn't been applied. You can go from stereo cameras to produce a point cloud. It's not going to be as accurate as the, the point cloud that you're going to produce using your LiDAR technology. So LiDAR provides 
a 3D model where you can measure information and requires less post-processing to be able to produce that model. So you can reach a similar model using camera technology alone, but you're not going to you're not going to achieve the same level of accuracy, and it's going to take lots of post-processing to to get there. But I mean, back to the the point that I made at the beginning, I, I think uh, the sensors are, are all the sensors are going to end up complementing one another. Got it. So Light, LiDAR is, uh, you know, the technology, it's lasers, right? LiDAR is lasers. Lasers yep. sound expensive. <laughs> um, so where is LiDAR on the, uh, this te- you know, technology to commodity continuum? And, and what have you seen with the prices of LiDAR over the past, say, three to five years? I mean, it's an expensive technology. The prices um, actually occupy a broad range, and that, that's usually the, the surprising thing to, to many people. You can get a LiDAR sensor from as low as, Forty to fifty thousand dollars to as high as seven hundred thousand dollars. So, depending on a range of different factors, including the, the specifications of the sensor system itself, what you're after as a end user, you could find something that would fit your needs within that wide range. Now, with that said, the prices have been going down significantly, particularly with with the introduction of solid state lidar and digital lidar sensors. Today you can get a sensor that's capable of producing high-resolution data for as low as $30,000. It might still sound slightly high, but that was unthinkable five years ago. So the prices have been going down, and they're still going to follow that downward trend, especially when when the technology becomes mainstream with the introduction of self-driving vehicles. So, And just like any other technology, uh, as it becomes mainstream, the the prices are going to drop right well i don't have the newest uh the newest iphone you know i was excited to get my iphone 12 which does have it is equipped with lidar done some pretty neat things with this like create a you know a 3d model of uh of my basement when i was applying for a permit to to finish it so you know obviously it's getting to a point where it's cheap enough to put into a cell phone but can you tell me maybe like what's the difference between this lidar sensor that i have my cell phone versus um, lidar sensors that you would use for the applications that you've talked about yeah, that, that's a, it's good that you mentioned the, the, the sensors in the, the, the iPhones. That's one form of digital LiDAR. So it's digital LiDAR sensors that are being used in the iPhones. The difference is resolution and then the level of accuracy that you're getting. How dense do you want your point cloud to be and what level of accuracy do you want to get down to? So, for example, we, we work on some design projects. When you're working on design projects, the level of accuracy that your consultants are interested in is within two centimeters absolute and then if you can get down to the millimeter level when it comes to relative accuracy then then that's what they're after so in that case you're not going to be able to produce that using your iphone if the intention is simply asset management create that digital twin of your basement for example then the level of absolute accuracy you can be 10 centimeters off if you're just creating a um, let's say you've got a traffic sign on the side of the road and you want to create a digital twin of that. Your iPhone is probably good enough in doing that. Relative accuracy is high enough on the iPhone. Even if you're 10 centimeters off where that traffic sign actually is, that's still good enough level of accuracy because absolute accuracy is going to depend on on the, the GPS sensors that you've got on your phone. So yeah, it's resolution, how dense is the point cloud, and then relative and, and absolute accuracy. How accurate are you compared to the actual real life location 
and how accurate are the points within the point cloud itself. So when you measure the height of the traffic sign, how accurate is that measurement? That's what we call relative accuracy. So yeah, that's the differences. That's where, where the range falls. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, as the technology becomes more common, as LiDAR, as we see it, you know, in, in our phones and, uh, you know, potentially on uh, vehicles right off the manufacturing line, who stands to be disrupted in all this? Who needs to be worried? Which jobs maybe won't exist in three to five years as a result of the proliferation of, uh, of this technology? It's a good point. I, I think there's, I think there'll be a shift in, in, in the job market. There's, there's going to be less people required for the uh, tedious, repetitive, jobs, which would help free up the, the human minds for the more interesting and, and more challenging tasks. So some of the jobs that might disappear and probably are going to disappear are your asset inspector jobs, for example. If you can scan your assets on a regular basis and extract all the information required about the asset automatically, there's no need for the long, tedious site visits where you send someone to site to do that inspection and it takes you ages to get all that information about your assets. Instead of that inspector who's spending most of their day on site, you might have someone in the office who's um, doing some quality control, quality assurance of, of the collected information. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I see it as having the AI do the tedious repetitive jobs and then freeing up human minds for, for the more interesting, challenging tasks. Got it. So all asset inspectors, beware. Um, <laughs> LiDAR is coming for you. I might want to think about a career change. <laughs> All right. Uh, reminder, I am Steve Ennis, and you are listening to the Traffic Intel Podcast. We're here with Solomon Gargoom of Nectar 3D Consulting. Moving on to our next topic here, Solomon, a bit of like a few futuristic predictions, I suppose. So in your opinion, is LiDAR a key piece in this quest towards self-driving vehicles? Do you see LiDAR being equipped on new vehicles coming off an assembly line, off all, all new vehicles to better equip them to self-drive or as data collection as a service to collect information about the infrastructure around the, the vehicle? I actually think LiDAR has an even bigger role in, in the, the self-driving market. So it, it's not only going to be used by self-driving cars to sense the surroundings and detect obstacles. I think it's going to be critical to produce those HD maps, which is maps of the infrastructure that are fed into, that live in the cloud and are fed into the self-driving cars compute onboard systems. Because, I mean, if you think about it, there's situations where no matter how much, how many sensors you have and how pow powerful those sensors are, the self-driving car is not going to be able to sense where the lane markings are when you've got a huge snowstorm going on no one can, is able to see where those lane markings are. So it's going to be really difficult for the self-driving car to stay in the lane without that HD map information. Now, one way to produce HD maps is to scan the infrastructure and then produce those maps using the AI technology and then feed those maps into the, the onboard system of, um, of self-driving cars. So, yeah, for sure, LIDAR has a big role to, to play in the, in the autonomous vehicle market. And to, to that point that you made about the LIDAR being collected by autonomous vehicles being used for other purposes, I, th I think that there is potential there as well. You take maintenance and asset management, for example, where you want to do change detection. You've scanned today and you want to go out tomorrow to make sure that to figure out whether there's been changes in the conditions of your assets on a particular highway. So is the sign now tilted or is it in its exact same location. Once we have 
a high penetration rate of self-driving cars, I think there's going to be the opportunity to actually crowdsource that information about our assets. And the autonomous vehicles are going to be doing that for us because they're driving the roads and scanning the roads anyway. So we might as well make the most out of that information. Yeah, good points. Uh, you know, living in uh, in Canada, getting a, a ton of snow each winter, I'm on the same page. I, th- I think there were, there will be an importance on the mapping side of things as a layer of redundancy in this yeah. network that's created to facilitate autonomous vehicles. In a, in a snowstorm, in, in a foot of snow, you definitely can't see lines yeah. on the road. So, you know, how does the vehicle know where it is? And that will have to be done with uh, HD maps. So, yeah, great points, Solomon. Okay, uh, this is my last question for you today. I'd, I'd like to get a sense of where our guests see the traffic industry going in the next uh, 10 years. So if, if you sit back, close your eyes, and picture what traffic and transportation looks like in, you know, say, tw- 2032, what do you see? Have we barely progressed past where we are, or are we full-on, you know, Jetsons mode, riding our, our pod through the air over to Spacely Sprockets? Where, where are we at here? <laughs> Um, I did mention your excitement about traffic technology. That's unmatchable at the beginning. And I mean, I think I think there will be great progress towards autonomous vehicles and connected vehicles as well over the next 10 years with further adoption of digital twins by cities trying to be smarter than they are today. I think the role that LiDAR technology, Internet of Things sensors, the role of those type of virtual reality, augmented reality, all that's going to is going to play a, a bigger role in in how we operate our cities in general. How do we carry out the inspections? So it was a, a presentation by I think it was Microsoft at the GTC NVIDIA conference last year, where I think it was the Minnesota DOT who were attempting to use virtual reality, augmented reality to do bridge inspections in the office instead of sending your crew out to the bridge location, you're actually inspecting your transportation infrastructure in the office using your virtual reality, augmented reality. So my prediction is that we're going to see further adoption of the technology, whether it's LiDAR, IoT sensors, virtual reality, augmented reality by cities to help improve the way they're managing and their transportation infrastructure. So autonomous vehicles aside, connected vehicles aside, I think cities are, are going to, we're going to see more adoption of, of technology by cities to, to become smarter. And, and there's going to be lots of competition as well. And then you, you're still going to have cities who are going to realize 10 years later that they should have joined early on. Mm, yeah, interesting. And uh, yeah, of course, MinDot, they're a pretty bright, proactive bunch over there. It's no surprise yeah. that they're, they're the ones trying this out first. Wow, what a great convo. I think technology is pretty darn cool. Uh, listening to experts like Solomon, you know, this has been a real treat for our information-hungry audience, buddy. So I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your insights and sharing your expertise with all of us. It was really great talking about your background and getting into uh, into the depths about your, you know, all the bells and whistles of Nectar 3D Consulting. So I want to wish you and the team at Nectar 3D Consulting the best of luck with all your future endeavors and uh, and research and projects. We really do appreciate the time that you took to do this with us, and we hope to have you on again, Solomon. Thank you very much, Steve. Really a pleasure, always a pleasure to, to talk to you, especially when we're talking about technology. It's, it's really exciting. It is indeed. 
All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's all the time that we have today. We want to remind our listeners that this podcast values your input. If there's a topic you want us to cover, whether it be about technology, transportation, traffic troll, or uh, or anything with a computer and a camera, we want to hear from you. So email us at communications at atstraffic.ca to send in your ideas. Once again, thank you for joining us on the TIP. We have more exciting new guests and explosive content coming your way soon. So stay tuned. I'm your host, Steve Ennis. See you next time, everyone. Safety forward. Thank you.